Hey, bitches. Hey, bitches. Welcome back to Eerie Thoughts, episode 14. I'm still a COVID bitch. I, I'm i not a COVID bitch. I'm just a sick, sicky girl. Yeah. I don't know what I have. It'd be like that sometimes. So don't have my voice back two weeks later. Thank God. Shh. Oh, um, <laughs> I forgot to mention we have a special guest. My sister, Nicole, <laughs> a.k.a. Coley. <laughs> aka what is another nickname um so pretty aka okay. uppies 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 up we'll be doing that all day aka sexy fabulous gorgeous pretty talented smart yeah yeah definitely <laughs> we'll go with that what do you have for me today i've got a missing person for you today what do you got what do you got for me i have well you'll just see but oh (laughs) you're gonna go first right oh do you want me to go first well yeah i thought that's what we said the person who's gonna ruin the day is gonna go first okay well this one's just gonna kind of infuriate you well that's the same thing sam i swear to god no it's not like that one your stories like give me nightmares (laughs) sorry <laughs> at least right. you still listen to get the nightmares no i don't listen anymore oh okay oh thanks for the support <laughs> <laughs> all right so we're taking it back to 2005 um benjamin howard brubaker was an ashland ohio native he was born and raised he graduated from ashland high school and just never left ash are you familiar with ashland um ish super rural small town okay cool okay love love Um, hate so that being said as with any small town anything happens the rumor mill just goes yes okay yep um so after he graduated he kind of got involved with the law for a little bit he ended up having to serve some time for a dui related incident however by 2005 by all accounts, he had his life turned around. He had a steady job, a girlfriend, and he kept in constant contact with his mom. Good for him. And this brings us to October 2005. At that time, he was 30 years old, described as a white male, five foot ten, blonde hair, blue eyes, and weighed roughly 148 pounds. Oh, he was a skinny queen. Skinny itty bitty boy. <laughs> He's a squ- skinny queen like Grady. at this time he seemingly just vanished up and disappeared one day according to brew baker's i'm sorry were you gonna say something or is your cat is your cat yeah she's tearing it up (laughs) it's my fault it's coley's fault (laughs) again he just disappeared and to this day there's been absolutely no trace of him since Um, According to his mother, on Thursday, October 13th, 2005, he called her and asked her for a ride to Worcester the next day since he had a court appearance. Worcester? Yes. Uh, The police files confirm that he did have a court appearance on Friday, October 14th. His boss at the time, Ed Caroglin of Caroglin Concrete, said earlier that week he did ask for that day off work because he had court friday 
However, he needed his paycheck, which was issued every Friday. Brubaker said he would be there early Friday morning to pick it up. However, he never showed up for his paycheck or to his court date, and no one has seen or heard from him since. His boss says, I was waiting for Ben, and I looked down at his trailer, and I saw two people who I thought must have been Ben and his girlfriend, which we're not going to name her because this is still an open investigation. Still? Still. Oh, great. So we don't have any resolution. Yes. Um, so they he thought he seen Ben and his girlfriend having a fire in the morning. I was going to wait for him and walk over for his, wait for him to walk over to get his paycheck. So me and the concrete crew left. He said Brubaker lived with his girlfriend in a trailer next door to him in the village of Polk, which is again Ashland County. It was a long driveway, so if it was any other time of year, he wouldn't be able to see the trailer, but since it was fall and all the leaves were off the trees, he was able to see down the driveway. Again, keep in mind, fire, and he's seen two people. Which, that seems weird to have a fire in the morning. Yeah. Especially, you know, concrete crews, they leave early, early in the morning. Yeah. When Brubaker didn't pick up his paycheck, he said he expected his employee the next day, Saturday the 15th, to show up and work on the dump truck because that was the agreement. If he took Friday off, he would work Saturday. But you know it's suspicious that he didn't pick up his paycheck because he probably was, like, on it with those paychecks. Yeah. I feel like that should have been red flag number one. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Saturday, again, he was a no-show. He said he went down the lane to the girlfriend's trailer to figure out, you know, where the hell Ben was. His boss said, she told me Ben got into a fight with my dad and took off down the road towards the Polk General Store. Driving or walking? Do we know? Driving. Okay. Put a pin in that, too. Okay. I told her, I gotta have my duck truck keys and left. The next day... I went back down there to get the keys off Ben, but he still wasn't there. She went into the trailer and came back with Ben's set of keys. He kept all his keys on one ring. I looked through them, got my truck keys, and walked back. When asked if he remembered seeing a car or a Dodge key on the ring of keys, he said no, but all his keys were there. He always had his keys on him. So... Keep keep this in mind, okay? Because his girlfriend gives contradicting stories. Uh-oh. We already <laughs> hate her. The evening of Friday the 14th, Brubaker's good friend Matt Hatcher said he saw a tow truck backed up to the garage connected to the trailer of his girlfriend. That prompted him to call Brubaker's phone and leave him a message trying to figure out why his car was being towed. However... He never saw a car hooked up to that tow truck. According to Brubaker's girlfriend, again, not being identified, um, his boss's timeline and details aren't correct. She said Ben left the week before his court date. She says 
Ben had the car towed to my house. He wasn't living with me. I had his son, yes, but he wasn't living with me. And he had his car towed because I had a garage at the time in Polk. He had his car towed to my house to get it fixed because he had wrecked it. The windshield was busted, and I don't know what else, but anyway, they had somebody come out and get the windshield fixed and all that. He even had said, after I got the car fixed, he was gone. He was going. I don't know where. Ben had a friend from AA in New York, and honestly, that's where I thought he was going. That's what she. That's what his girlfriend said. She lying. She lying. Mm. She capping, right? <laughs> that's what the kids say. <sighs> I don't even know what that means. That means lying, right? Oh. Oh my god. She said oh. she said right. <laughs> she was making fun of me the other day because I accidentally tagged her in TikTok comments twice and I didn't know how to delete one. Literally could not figure it out. <laughs> I probably wasn't out there at no 6:30 in the morning. No. But yeah, I did have a fire ring out there. The girlfriend said Kerrigan and his wife Judy disputed that claim as they both said Brubaker would walk back and forth to their house to work. Because again, it's walking distance, so it was a concrete crew. They would meet at the boss's house and just go. Brubaker's friend, Matt Hatcher, also said Brubaker was staying there at the time. Hatcher lived down the road and said he would see Brubaker a lot. But here's where the timeline gets a little bit tricky. The last call from Brubaker's cell phone was reportedly on October 7th, not October 13th. So, that means Brubaker would have had to call his mom for a ride from a different phone. And his phone had not been used since October 7th. In initial law enforcement notes, both Brubaker's mom and his sister Beth said Brubaker did talk about moving to New York a lot and it wasn't an uncommon thing for him to seemingly I don't want to say disappear but not be heard of like seen for a few months if you're listening don't do this yes keep in contact with somebody someone yeah. somebody his friend in New York his name was Steve earlier in the month a phone record showed a 14 minute phone call to a number in Big Flats New York we called and talked to Steve, and he said Ben never came to New York, his sister Beth said. Um, again, it was not uncommon for Ben to seemingly disappear for months at a time, um, trying to hide from, like, warrants and other things like that. Again, don't do this. Keep in contact with at least one person. A prior cellmate reportedly said Brubaker told him he would like to leave Ashland without a trace and never come back. After not hearing from Brubaker for months, his girlfriend said she thought he went to New York or that he was back in prison, which I don't like her. Yeah, because if, if he was back in prison, there would be a record of that. A record of that? And I still feel like he would at least keep in contact with his mom yeah mm-hmm. sorry monkey's just tearing everything up look at your your TV boy i'm wide um 
A source told the Ashland County Sheriff's Department that Brubaker was living in West Virginia and would come up to Millersburg to buy drugs. Oh, Miller Millersburg? Millersburg. The Amish are selling drugs? Yes. What? The sheriff's office pursued this tip, but nothing was found to substantiate this claim. Um, and unfortunately, it was found out that this tipster wanted a felony charge dropped for the inf- information. So my money's they just pulled that out of their ass. Yeah, probably. Um, so back to the tow truck that was at his girlfriend's house. Where's Ben's car and why can't we keep like why can't it be tracked down? It gets complicated because Ben was quoted as being a car guy. So he would have like 47 cars. Yeah. Like constantly switching cars. Yeah. Um, No one remembered exactly what vehicle he had at the time. Um, His friend Matt Hatcher recalled it being a quote two door with a hatchback had to be a Dodge, most likely a Dodge Daytona. In 88 or in 89. And although his girlfriend at the time said he drove away, friends of his said that there was still a lot of damage to the windshield, so it wasn't able to be driven. So she lying. Yeah. My mom. Allegedly. Allegedly. Because of this is still ongoing. Yes. We're not pointing fingers, but. You're innocent until Mm. proven guilty. So after possessing this car for a while, he eventually did get into a wreck, smashing out the front windshield and damaging the bumper slash frame of the vehicle. It was towed by Bates Garage to the girlfriend's house as she, again, had the garage. Hatcher said he saw a tow truck backed up to the girlfriend's trailer the day Brubaker went missing. An employee from Bates Garage looked back through the records but found no towing service matching the Daytona or Polk location around the 14th of October. So if his car was towed, it wasn't from that garage or from that towing company. His girlfriend says a company came to the house and put a windshield in it, uh, but she couldn't remember the business's name. And that being said, it comes to question what company would have that fixed and do they still have a record of it? I mean, they should. As far as the car's title, Hatcher and Bruce, Hatcher and Brubaker's mom said there's no title associated and um, it could have been a salvage title. Years ago, Brubaker's sister contacted Creston Auto concerning the title, but they never responded. She believes the car may have been sold without transferring the title. Again, that garage would not reach out for comment. Regardless of whether or not there was a title, in 2005, one could still drop a card junkyard and have it be pieced out with little to no questions asked, which is so sketchy. Yeah, and I feel like there's probably one still today that'll do that. Yeah. Um, a month or so after Brubaker went missing, his boss's wife, Judy, said she saw two men on the girlfriend's property carrying a trash bag to the back of the lot. They proceeded to dig a hole. 
She thought, oh no, it must be a dead cat or something. But instead of burying the bag, they emptied out the contents of the trash bag and filled the hole. Uh, She could not give a physical description of the two men. Years later, the girlfriend sold that trailer. The sheriff's department confirmed there wasn't enough evidence for a search warrant. Um, But I feel like that's kind of... I don't know. I guess it's circumstantial at best, but still. Yeah, because, I mean, they don't even know what happened. Yeah. Because it's a missing person, not... Not like a murder investigation yet. It's infuriating. But one of the sources I was reading from put into question, would the new owners be open to them searching the property, trying to locate that mysterious hole? Would a metal detector and a bunch of volunteers be enough? Again, there wasn't enough for a search warrant, but with the homeowner's permission, there would be a possibility for a cadaver dog. Yeah, I feel like the current homeowner should do it then. Yeah. It's not like they're having to dig, like, the basement up. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's just on the property, right? Yeah. And I actually have pictures of it, too. Okay. Um, This is kind of where we get into, again, we're not pointing fingers, but I don't like these details. Ben told me, quote, if I ever end up fucked up or dead, it was her. Oh, my God. There you have it right there said brew baker's friend matt hatcher ben said he woke up one night to a knife to his throat she was standing yeah she was standing over him and he and told him it would be so easy to kill you in your sleep hatcher said jail 911 hello 911 it's giving toxic it's giving somebody call my mom Mom, can you pick me up? Yeah. Hello, um, Jesus. I had to report something. <laughs> <laughs> um, his boss said at the time he went missing, his boss said before work one day, Ben was saying his girlfriend was over him in bed with a hammer, threatening him. The girlfriend was asked about both of these accounts. <laughs> she said, no, ha ha ha. Why would I, why would he have stayed there? That's not true at all. Why would he have stayed there? It's called domestic violence. Literally my first thought. <laughs> like Hashtag domestic violence. <laughs> no, he would have killed me if I would have done something like that. He would have hurt me if I would have tried to do, you know, anything, the girlfriend said. I even tried to lock him out of my house. house. Well, way before that happened, when he first got out of prison, when their kid was only like six months old or something at the time i even had tried to lock him out before and he kept getting in or coming in so i don't know why he would have said that when he was the one coming in i don't know it's giving victim blaming yeah and like the fact that she was like the i don't know the fact that she laughed about it just because imagine the roles were reversed and a man was being accused of doing that and was like, haha, no, why would she have stayed? Yeah, um, exactly. Called domestic exactly. violence. And nine times out of 10, they don't, if they leave the first time, they don't stay gone. They go back. Yeah. 
Yeah, it takes numerous times if they even leave at all. And the most dangerous time in a domestic violence situation is when they try to leave. Exactly. And then it comes to, you know, he if he's trying to he's trying to turn his life around he's not going to want to leave his kid especially yeah. with a fucking psychopath who's holding knives to his throat you know yeah, what I mean? exactly it's way more complicated than that after brubaker went missing the girlfriend went on to marry another man um the girlfriend contends she was pregnant with brubaker's child in 2005 not this other guy's however the other guy was known to both of them so we'll leave that at that so we don't technically know yes i'm okay. gonna say yes my money is on it was brubaker's kid but okay a month or so before he took off in that car he got the car fixed and took off maybe two months before larry dudley jr was found in mansfield the ghetto in mansfield nobody knows who did it he was left unconscious the toenails were gone off his feet and it was obvious someone had drug him behind the car and they found him in somebody's front yard in mansfield i don't think they ever found out who did it said the girlfriend so she's trying to put blame on brubaker's past that he was involved with drugs and larry dudley was somebody who went missing before brubaker went missing she says, I honestly think the same thing that happened to him, Brubaker, happened to Larry Dudley Jr. Honestly, they owed a lot of money. They owed everyone in Mansfield money for drugs, said the girlfriend. And this brings us to 2009. An Ashland County Sheriff's Office received an anonymous, an anonymous letter. Sound it out you're stroking are you stroking i am <laughs> i have to do that thing that's gonna make you throw up don't i'm gonna throw up stop what she's gotta cough something up <laughs> don't say that word around me my fight or flight is activated <laughs> she said the word and i hate it what word <laughs> Stop. What a loogie. Stop. <laughs> I'm going to leave. Uh, you guys have fun finishing this. Oh, <laughs> uh, the letter is quoted saying, I am a man of God and would normally be sworn to confidentiality in these matters, but my conscience would will not allow me to hold this information. The letter said, it's an issue of God's law versus that of man, as the Ohio Revised Code requires priests, attorneys, counselors, etc., to alert law enforcement of any felony that they're made aware of. The letter alleged the attack was premeditated, as the perpetrators would sit in their car during work breaks and plan. Further, that there was a first attempt at the murder, but it failed. On the second attempt the perpetrators got brubaker drunk and waited for him to pass out he was then hit on the back of the head while another individual used a chain and or rope to strangle him the body was then transported to an outbuilding until it could be properly disposed of 
The note alleged that the body was moved to a farm near Orville. The corpse was then burned and that and that no one would raise an eyebrow as burning carcasses at that site was common. What? Oh, I guess animal carcasses. Yeah. Not like yeah. It's like what not, kind of place has happened? What is yeah. happening in Orville? The letter concluded by discussing Brubaker's car. The biggest piece of missing evidence from the entire case. The letter alleges the vehicle didn't have a title, so an alleged perpetrator went back to where Brubaker bought the car and purchased the title with a debit card, and then the vehicle was sent to a scrapyard in Akron. Akron. It's called Crackron for a reason. Yes. And that is all the information from Brubaker's case. Wow. Again, has not been seen or heard from since 2005. He would be 48 years old today, I believe. He has an insane clown posse logo on his upper left arm. Good for um, him. <laughs> he's what also are they, got... What are they called? Juggalos? <laughs> he's a juggalo. Is that what they're on? I think so. Um, he's also described as having a scar on his back. If you have any information at all in regards to this, you're encouraged, obviously, to contact the Ashland County Sheriff's Office and you will remain anonymous. That man is dead. That I, I 100%. Yeah. This is my opinion, so don't like come at me, but I believe the girlfriend is behind it 100%. Yeah. yeah. That's wild. Hopefully, at some point, somebody comes forward. I know. Even, <laughs> yeah. That's really sad. All right, are you ready for my case? Yes. Okay, we're throwback Thursdaying it to... Oh, it really is Thursday. Oh, shit. TBT. To the night of October 11th, 1973, we have two bestie co-workers, Charles Hickson, who was 42, and Calvin Parker, who was 19. So I'm going to flip-flop between calling them by their first names and last names because I think I have ADHD, and that's how I typed everything up. Same. So, yeah. Um, so Charles was Calvin's foreman at a shipyard. And he actually, they were friends before Calvin worked there. And Charles actually got him the job is what I read. Love that for them. Love that for them. They decided to go fishing after work at an abandoned boat launch um, on the west bank of the Pascagoula River around 6 p.m. Or I'm sorry. They went right after work and then around 6 p.m. ish. They were still out there right as it was getting dark. Um, there was a really bright moon that light that night. Sorry, I have had several strokes already. It's totally fine. And we're 30 seconds in. <laughs> Hashtag stroking. <laughs> so Charles was just getting ready to go get some more bait when he heard kind of like a zipping whizzing sound. Charles said when he looked up, he saw a blue flashing light. So at this point, Calvin also turned around. And he also saw blue light reflecting off the water. And he thought it was the police coming to tell them to, like, go home or whatever. Go on, get. Yeah. Get out of here. 
Um, however, when Parker looked up, he realized the light was coming from a craft like nothing he'd ever seen. The two saw a 30-foot-long object with a little dome on top. As it hovered just above the ground, three small legless creatures emerged, hovering. Oh, I don't love that at all. No legs. They were just floating. One had no neck with gray wrinkled skin. No legs and no neck. Immediately just, I'm drowning myself. Big Ed, are you listening? (laughs) Do you want to be on the pod? (laughs) We won't make fun of you if you come on. Another one had a neck, thank God, and appeared to be more feminine. Their hands. Oh, so were... She had a neck. Did she have a jawline at least? She had titties. No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Their hands were shaped like mittens or crab claws. <laughs> the, the male ones just like. No. He's scratching my chair. Bad boy. We're having too much fun in here. Gus had to come be the poli- the fun police and ruin it. No legs, no neck, and then like... Yeah. Come Literally come Larry the Lobster, Mr. Krabs. <laughs> At least he had legs. <laughs> At least he had legs. Okay, so... The men were suddenly paralyzed. One of the creatures allegedly reached out and grabbed Parker by the arm with one of his claws. Could you imagine being grabbed by that thing? Pinch. I would. The way I would immediately cut my arm off. I would kill myself on the spot. I wouldn't. I won't be needing this anymore. Yeah. You can have it, sir. When one of the creatures put one of its claws on his arm, Parker said he was terrified. But then another feeling came over his body. He was quoted as saying, "I think they injected us with something to calm us down." I was kind of numb and went along with the program. I want that. Same. (laughs) (laughs) So his body goes numb and initially Parker says everything goes dark and basically that he blacks out and doesn't remember anything. This story is going to change years later, but for now, that's what he said. Okay. And then I do have like mixed in some of his future accounts of what happened Um, because he was just like scared you know and Mm -hmm. didn't want to come out with it but so hickson was also grabbed by one of these creatures his body also went numb but he did remember what happened which we like i said we find out later that parker also remembered what happened but at first he didn't or he said he didn't so calvin told biloxi sun herald in 2018 that he floated inside Hickson said the creatures bring him aboard the ship, and the first thing he sees is what appears to be a television with a football-like crystal inside. When Hickson moves past the scene, the crystal follows him as if it's examining him or watching him. Yuck. Parker described being taken aboard the craft down a hallway and into a room where the creature placed him on an examination table made entirely of glass. Can you imagine how cold that was? No, absolutely not. According to Parker, at that point, the gray wrinkled creature that brought him aboard the ship left the room. Now, this is going to get juicy here in a minute. Oh, so be be prepared. I don't like it. I don't. 
I want to go home. <laughs> you are home. <laughs> but same. That's when something came out of the ceiling about the size of a deck of cards. He said the square-shaped object circled him, making a series of clicking noises. And then he was quoted as saying, I never thought about it until here lately. Obviously, this is from the future. Um, but it was like this MRI I was in, except the click wasn't that loud. Parker explained, looking back. And then it just shot back up into the ceiling. Then a smaller being entered the room, which Parker said made him feel more at ease. Oh. <laughs> he couldn't move his body, but rolled his head towards the creature. She was normal, he said. Matter of fact, if I'd been in a bar room Don't. drinking or something and she was single, you know, at this time, I'd have probably asked her out on a date. So she was hot. It's Britney. <laughs> it's Britney, bitch. <laughs> That's where she's been. That makes sense. Yeah, that free Britney. That tracks. It tracks. It makes sense. He said it looked just like a human, except for its middle fingers. Her two middle fingers were real longer than what an average person's would be. He said. Oh, uh, he said. Imagine. <laughs> I want a really long middle finger. Oh, I wish. So jealous. I was literally gonna say I'm jealous so jealous goals so Parker recalled that without saying a word the creature put its left hand on his jaw and opened his mouth he was quoted as saying that's when she took her right hand and started running it down my throat and I started gagging (laughs) I'm so sorry She had scratched it up real bad and it was bleeding. It was a darn mess, he said. Uh, he said a darn mess. A darn mess. It was bleeding. Scratched the inside of my throat and he, you're going to say it's a darn mess? Yeah, it was. Sounds no. like it. Because I can just imagine that just middle finger just down your... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then the other one's got its claw like holding your mouth open. It pulled its hand back out. Parker had the impression that it didn't want to hurt him anymore. Then it made a groan from deep within its throat. He said, I don't know if you ever heard an alligator's mating call where they vibrate the whole air around you, but that's how it sounded. So she was into going on a date with him, it sounds like. Sounds like if he would have asked her out at the bar, she would have said yes. She does. She She's also a hoe. <laughs> Good for her. Sly queen. That's when the creature that Parker said initially brought him on board the craft, um, returned and carried him back to the bank of the river. And then he said, I really believe to this day it was a robot. So it was a sexy robot. And then he says, that's where the story really starts. And then my life turned pretty much to hell right after that. It sounds like she's attacking your throat. Yeah, she, yeah, she is. COVID's attacking my throat. COVID's got... It's middle finger down my throat right now. (laughs) (laughs) After this, Hickson doesn't see the creatures again, and he slowly starts to regain mobility. At this point, he floats out of the ship, and his body slumps to the ground. When this happens, Hickson sees Parker is already on the riverbank. (laughs) Not mom calling her. We're busy. Um, Hickson, so they just got dropped back off where they were. 
Hickson found Parker standing up, arms raised to the sky, and screaming, he told the Washington Post. He said uppies. Uh, yeah, he literally said uppies, but he screamed uppies. it. I'm not going to scream it into the microphone. He said. Up. Just stomping his one foot. Up. Yeah. Somebody change me. Uppies. <laughs> so Hickson heads over to Parker and he hears another whizzing sound. He allegedly turns around to see the ship lift higher before vanishing. He claims at this point that he heard a voice in his head say, we are peaceful, we mean you no harm. Which, if you remember back to the Barney and Betty Hill story that I covered, the same kind of like telepathic communication was happening in that story, remember? Yeah. So that's really weird. Sounds like drugs to me. Um, No, it was definitely aliens. It was definitely hot aliens. Once back in their car, they realized the whole abduction only took about an hour. They sit back in the car for a while to talk about what had just happened. At about 10.15 p.m., the two men pull up to a payphone and call the United States Air Force. The woman who answered the phone told the men that the Air Force no longer worked on UFO cases. Um, So now they called the sheriff's office to report what had happened to them. A captain told the two men to come to the station and he would listen to their story. When they get to the station, the men told them everything that happened. They described the creatures. The investigators saw that both men had puncture wounds on their arms, which matched their story of, like, getting grabbed with the pinchers. Um, but investigators still had a hard time believing the story. So after they interviewed the men, they the investigators left the room and left the men in there with a recorder, thinking, like, oh, they would talk about basically their, like, plan or whatever. They're lying. Yeah um but they didn't they kept on talking about what they had seen and how scared they were just as if it really happened jackson county sheriff's captain glenn Ryder told the post in 1975 quote we did everything we knew to try to break their stories if they were lying to me they should be in hollywood oh damn so whether or not it really happened they believed it really happened um, Hickson's breath smelled of whiskey, so investigators thought they could just be drunk. Um, they made both men take a sobriety test, and to the investigator's surprise, both men passed. So they started to think the men might be telling the truth. Hmm. Overnight, it was national news. There were news conferences and cameras put in both of the guys' faces. A UFO investigator from Northwestern University flew down and said their story checked out. Are you stroking? Sorry, I thought I had a sneeze. Skeptics called them liars or said Hickson had an episode of sleep paralysis with hypnagogic hallucinations. I've never heard that word before. While Parker was highly suggestible. Believers flooded into Pascagoula by the thousands wrapped in aluminum foil, wrapped in aluminum foil and sitting all night in the wo- on the hoods of their cars waiting for visitors from another world. Me. You are from another world. That is so true. A few weeks later, Hickson takes a polygraph test and passes with flying colors. Although officials start to believe them, there really isn't anything they could do. What are they supposed to do? Go arrest the aliens? Yeah. Obviously, that's the only choice. Obviously. After this abduction, the two men act completely opposite of one another. Parker allegedly shuts down and becomes a recluse while Hickson keeps talking about it. Like I said... 
um calvin parker he basically just wanted to pretend like it never happened and he acted like he didn't remember which is kind of like what bernie did yeah exactly he didn't want to talk about it while betty was out here like i'm telling my story yeah so hickson does interviews with organizations like rolling stone magazine and the la times he also goes on multiple different talk shows to discuss the events of that night he recounted the experience to anybody who would listen he went on johnny carson and dick cavett he ended up publishing a book in 1983 about it Parker, on the other hand, he had just moved to Pascagoula from an even smaller town and had planned to earn some extra money before returning home to get married. He told the media he had passed out at the the beginning of the whole thing and couldn't remember what happened. In January of 1974, Hickson decides to go out of town to visit a friend and relax. The friends go hiking and hunting in the woods. Now, I don't know about you. But if I get abducted by aliens, the last place I'm ever going to be again is in the woods. <laughs> that will never happen again. No, if it was a hot alien, then I might just go. Yeah, I mean, she got them big old yiddies. <laughs> Oops, uh, I dropped my fishing pole. Can you help me put my bait on? I don't know how to take the fish off. <laughs> so at some point... Um, Hickson is allegedly alone in the woods and notices the same UFO coming near him. Again, he hears this telepathic voice in his head. This time it said, we mean you no harm. We mean no one any harm. You may communicate with us later. You have endured. You have been chosen. There is no need for fear. We will communicate again. Daddy. (laughs) The sky daddies and mommies. (laughs) When Hickson got home from vacation, he told his wife he was no longer afraid of the creatures. He allegedly feels validated by the message. A month later, he hears the same voice telling him, you must tell the world we mean no harm. Your world needs help. We will help in the future before it's too late. You are not prepared to understand yet. We will return again soon. Shit, they need to hurry the hell up. They need to get here now. Immediately. In May of 1974, his family traveled to his parents' farm a few hours away. On the way back, the eight people in the car all noticed a strange light in the sky. Once the light moved in front of the car, they realized it was a UFO, and everyone inside the car started screaming. At this time, Hickson heard another voice in his head that said, Go, there will be another time, another place. That was the last time Hickson is ever allegedly contacted. Um, Hickson died in September of 2011. Oh. So it took 45 years for Parker to finally come out and tell his story. He told the Sun-Herald in 2018 that the only lie he ever told was that he had passed out that night and didn't remember anything. Mm. He did, in fact, remember what happened and was so afraid that aliens had infected him with something that when he got home from the sheriff's department, he took a bath in bleach so he could feel clean again. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, he was, like, traumatized by it. Within a few weeks of that happening, he had skipped town, got married, and picked up work in the oil field. Um, If someone at a job ever recognized him, he would quit immediately and go get another job. Oh. Three weeks after the incident, Parker had a nervous breakdown and ended up having to be hospitalized. Two years later, he had another nervous breakdown over it. So I feel really bad for him. I do, too. Over the years, there were many skeptics of the story, as there always are, with any alien abduction or anything like this, basically. Some thought the men had mental illness. Others believed they experienced sleep paralysis, like I already said. 
Um, but if Hickson was trying to get rich from his story, it didn't work. Parker told the Sun Herald that before Hickson's death in 2011, that he sometimes had to pay his electric bill. Aww. So, I mean, if he was trying to like basically get rich and famous, he wasn't. Yeah. So seven years after Hickson died, so in 2018, Parker published his book finally about the experience. And it was at that point that he tells the world he had been lying for the past 40 years. He hadn't blacked out. He actually remembered everything. Um, He claimed he lied so that he wouldn't have to answer everyone's questions. It seemed easier for him to lie and say he didn't remember. A year after the book was published, a woman contacted a media source in Mississippi and told them she had seen a UFO in December of 1973. So in 2019, two more witnesses, Maria and Jerry Blair of Theodore, Alabama, came forward saying they also saw a UFO the night the men were abducted. Maria and Jerry were sitting in their 1969 Pontiac GTO in the parking lot of Graham's Seafood on the opposite side of the Pascagoula River. Jerry worked for the business and was waiting on a boat, waiting on a boat captain to take him offshore. The captain was late and the Blairs waited for hours. Just after dark, Maria saw something strange. So she's quoted as saying, I was looking at the sky and I noticed a blue light in the sky over where they were where they would have been fishing. Mm. It started moving and it seemed like it was following along the Pascagoula River. She said, I just seen the lights on it. It was just going back and forth. Sometimes it would just sit there. It went on for 20 to 25 minutes. She said she initially thought it was a plane, but realized the flight pattern and hovering were not indicative of a plane. Jerry watched it also, but didn't think much of it. Why are the husbands always just, like, blowing it off? Because they're men. Because they're men. Men. They're they're too busy gaslighting their wives, saying they're crazy. Jerry said, I thought it was a helicopter initially and just blew it off. It landed about 150 to 200 yards from us. I was just north of the bridge and it was just south of the bridge. I was there, but stupid me didn't pay much attention to it. I was just going offshore and thinking about other things. Men. Yeah, there you have it. Men. So after they lost sight of the craft, the two went to put Jerry's clothes and other items on the boat. While walking down the lighted pier, something else caught their attention. So Maria is quoted as saying, We heard this loud thumping splash in the river. I looked over the side of the pier, and that's when I saw, that's when I thought I saw a person in the river. I was looking right down on it. It looked like a person, but there was something different about it. It only came to the surface of the water. As soon as I saw it, it just went back down in the water. So whatever Maria had seen, which she thought was a person in, like, diving gear, it didn't resurface. Jerry, who was walking ahead of her and didn't see it, said it must have been a dolphin. She said she is positive it wasn't a dolphin. Jerry went to work that evening and Maria returned home. In the following days, she heard reports of Parker and Hickson's experience. The descriptions of the aliens that they gave matched what she had seen in the water. And then she's quoted as saying, I thought it was a person, but now I think it was an alien. What Parker described was exactly it. Hmm. So later that night, Judy Branning was sitting in a car a few miles away at a traffic signal with her roommate and their dates. She's quoted as saying, we were on a double date that night. 
we were at a red light in Chicot at Chicot and Highway 90. C-H-I-C-O-T. Please don't yell at me or be mad if I mispronounce that. We were at Chicot and Highway 90 and we were basically sitting on the railroad track. I saw some lights and I wasn't sure what I was looking at because it was so far away. So just like Maria and Jerry Blair, um, Branning thought that it was an airplane at first, but as it came closer and flew over the car she was in, they realized it was not an airplane. She said it didn't make noise. It had bright, bright lights. It got closer and it was hovering. It was kind of a saucer shape or disc shape with a rounded top. So exactly what the other two said. Yeah. The radio started sounding like it was running through all the stations and the car went dead. We were freaking out. The way I would immediately run out of that car. Oh, absolutely. She said after it passed over the car, the craft shot straight up at a rate of speed she'd never seen and disappeared. It left her shaken. She said, I didn't sleep that night thinking about it. She said the four agreed not to say anything about what they saw. She said over the years, she told a few people, but not many because she was scared of people's reactions. So now at this point of when this interview happened, she's 74 years old. She said she doesn't care if people believe her or not. And then Maria said she told people what she'd seen, but basically stopped talking about it in the weeks following. And then Parker has met with the Blairs and Branning and said he's happy they're now telling their stories publicly. He's quoted as saying, I checked the people out as best I could and they seem credible. It means a lot to me that they came forward. He feels there are probably more witnesses out there. Um, He said, there's been two or three people that have contacted me privately that didn't want their names used. He said, I believe there are more people that haven't come forward. Back in the 70s, you just didn't talk about it. Yeah. And then in 2020, during Big Rona, a.k.a. COVID, (laughs) um, a recording which was said to be made the night, the night it happened. So when they went to the sheriff, um, the recording of them talking to the sheriff surfaced, basically. Ooh. So Parker explained the man who gave him copies of the recording was an officer with the Pascagoula Police Department. And on the on the night the abduction occurred, but he doesn't want to be identified. Okay. Parker said the officer was involved because he fielded roughly 50 phone calls that night from people claiming to have seen something unusual in the sky. Hmm. (laughs) Gus and Monkey are going to start fighting right behind my laptop. So Parker said, when I sat down and listened to it, it hit me how real all this was. It kind of choked me up a little bit. I'd never heard it, not the full recording, just the piece where Charlie and I were locked in the room and they walked out. I was surprised they had the whole thing on tape. At the time, Parker said he didn't know that there was a recorder in the room. He said, I had no idea. Apparently, Charlie didn't either. He said they was all hid. (laughs) he's so cute (laughs) i love him and yeah that's basically it a historical landmark has since been put at the location of the alleged abduction oh that's cool yeah and that's the story of the pascagoula alien abduction what do you think happened i I think it happened it happened i believe him oh absolutely i believe want this to happen to me stop why you want a sexy alien to take you on board yeah she needs to go in her cage 401k 
Your 401 cage. Your 401 cage. She's trying to get uppies from the aliens and she needs to just knock it off. Up. Uppie. She said up. Take me uppies. Sexy up. alien. <laughs> <laughs> she said, let me see that neck. <laughs> Do you think aliens have nipples? No. Yeah. Dang it. I don't I don't think so. Why? That's a selling point for you? Yeah, I don't want one then. <laughs> what if they have extra nipples? Oh, then I want one. What if they have five? Five nipples? Like a weird um, a weird number, like seven. Really? Yeah. What if they have like 12, like a cat? How many yeah. do cats have? Eight? <laughs> <laughs> so that's the more the better? Yeah, I'll lick all of them. Ew. <laughs> what if it's just like one, like like one but a really big one yeah it's like that big <laughs> there's like a lot of areola <laughs> oh my god i'm leaving i have to go it's around the nipple Ew. <laughs> oh my god you're so pretty <laughs> <laughs> hmm. interesting that conversation made me so uncomfortable <laughs> uh samesies but yeah, I believe them. I think it happened. Absolutely. I believe all of them. Especially like comparing like Maria and Jerry's. Yeah. Yeah. It happened. Yeah, absolutely. Especially because the police took 50 phone calls about people seeing it. Yeah. I mean, not all 50 people were lying, so. Well, do you have anything else that you want to add? I don't think so. I don't either. I don't think. I'll probably think of 40 things when we end this, but yeah, absolutely. it's fine. Well, thank you everybody so much for listening. You can keep up with us on our social medias. On Instagram, we're Eerie Thoughts with Zero. TikTok, eerie.thoughts.pod. Facebook, Eerie Thoughts Podcast. Follow us. Share us. Send our content to your friends. Um, you can find me on Instagram as Q-V-E-N-B-I-N-C-H. Sam is on Instagram as S-A-M-M underscore S-T-O-R-A-D 1415. And I'm also on Instagram. Do you want to plug your Instagram? <laughs> no. Do you want to plug your TikTok? Oh, yeah. Plug your TikTok. My TikTok's blowing up right now. Plug it. No. What is it? I don't know. No, I'm going to go find it and plug it. <laughs> What's your Instagram or your TikTok? Know. Okay, I'm going to look it up. You have to. I'm judge my TikTok. No, they're not. They're going to, you're going to get famous like us. I'm going to be Anthony on this. I'm more famous than you guys. No, you're not. You're literally not. Her TikTok is <laughs> N-I-C-O-L-E underscore U-R-M-O-M. Nicole, your mom. <laughs> Go follow her. She makes TikToks and she's basically famous. And then you can... Email us at eeriethoughtspod at gmail.com. You can send us your eerie stories, episode suggestions. You can just tell us hi and how much you love us and how beautiful and sexy and perfect we are and yeah. how we have necks and the aliens don't. Yes. Whatever you want to tell us, you can send it to that. Leave all the hate emails. You can, send us, you can send us hate emails if you want. We haven't got any hate yet. Except for me. Except for, yeah. Except for biggest hater or biggest op right <laughs> don't ever say op again isn't that like a hater yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> we gotta have a a young guest star on every now and then to keep us young yes teach us all the new lingo but that's all i got do you have anything sam nope okay we love you all bye bitches bye bitches